Hey everyone, it's Corey. Don't worry, you don't have to listen to me on this episode. I just wanted to pop in real quick before I send this out to all the podcast aggregators. You'll notice as you're listening that we wound up having some issues with the recording quality here. When we've experienced that in the past, we've had to make the difficult decision to either re-record an episode or even just scrap it and move on. Uh, However, due to the seriousness of the topic being discussed here, we felt it was more important to present this episode to you with the original guests and the comments. Of course, you and I both know this won't be the last time we mess things up here at Quadrivia. I'm pretty sure that I average at least one mistake a week. But we are still learning from the issues that we run into and are taking steps to ensure that we improve in content and in quality with every episode. That's enough babbling from me. Enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Calvin with Footnote Trivia in San Francisco. I'm Aaron with Orange Cat Trivia in Richmond, Virginia. And we have some super cool guests tonight, so I'm not going to waste any time with our nonsense talk. I'm going to get straight to introducing people who you guys may have heard their voices once or twice. Uh, We've got Ben and Carmela here. How are y'all doing tonight? Doing well. Doing great. How's things down there in Florida? Um, (laughs) It's um, not quite as hot as it was uh, a few weeks ago, which is nice. Um, But we're doing well. Um, Things are going pretty good with the Oaks Media Group. Awesome. And for those, if there's anyone weirdly who managed to find us and doesn't know about Oaks Media Group, do you want to take a minute and talk about that? Uh, Absolutely. Oaks Media Group, um, our flagship show is Trivial Warfare. That's where we started. Trivial Warfare is the uh, podcast that takes the pub quiz out of the pub and brings it home to you. And then we have a few smaller puzzle shows, Foreplay, which is a show that I host where it is a connections puzzle. There's Things That Are Blank, which is kind of taboo meets pyramid. And then um, Trivial Warfare Blitz, which is a rapid fire quiz show. So those are our four shows within the within the group as a whole. Thanks, Carmela. And uh, Ben, what do you do? Tell us about yourself. Thanks. Uh, so I'm Ben. Um, I am a co-host on Trivial Warfare along with Carmela. Uh, so you may have heard my voice there before if you've heard that podcast. And if not, you should download it right now. And um, Carmel and I both live here in Jacksonville, Florida, and um, just having a great time and and very happy to be here and and participate in this topic. And what topic is that, Calvin? Well, Aaron, uh, tonight with all of our lovely guests, we're going to hit on a very broad topic that might have a lot of angles. We'll try to cover it to the best of our ability. But since we are all in such diverse locations and have such diverse backgrounds, Diversity in trivia is the subject that we're going to hit today. So kind of at a high level, all four of us are trivia hosts from all across the United States. It's full of people of different demographics and interests. What are some of the observations you've had when writing for your audience regarding diversity and kind of what are some of the challenges? So maybe before we talk about that, we could do kind of a quick rundown of either like your game, your demographic, what brought you to trivia, just maybe talk a little bit about yeah, what, what's kind of unique about either you or your situation? Uh, maybe Ben or Carmelo, would one of you like to start? Um, I can start. Um, so my path to trivia, per se, has been um, 
I guess a bit um, maybe unusual. Uh, I've always been involved in academic competitions uh, as a child, teenager, in middle school and high school. So I guess that's kind of where I got introduced to trivia. But um, I would say I'm, I wasn't a regular like trivia pub goer. Or, um, you know, I didn't watch Jeopardy probably as regularly as some of your demographic did, uh, or some of the kind of people in the trivia community do. Um, in fact, I didn't even know that there was a trivia community or that it was as large as it is until um, Jonathan uh, asked, reached out to me to start co-hosting Trivia Warfare. And that's where I really got introduced to this whole world of trivia. I didn't know it was a world. Um, and it's been an interesting journey, um, just kind of seeing and navigating this, this world that I've just only a few years ago really got introduced to. And, um, and how diversity uh, really does play a significant role in that and how there's a lot of efforts in certain areas to introduce more diversity into the trivia scene and then other areas where it's, you know, um, just kind of enslaved to the mainstream, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into that into the topic. Um, so it's, it's been kind of a unique experience um, as a, a black person, just navigating that landscape and, and seeing kind of nuances and, and how my experience differs a lot from the experiences of, of the majority of our audience and the people that I interact with. Well, thanks for sharing, Ben. I'm sure all of us are looking forward to some of those stories. I bet you have a lot of really good ones. Uh, Carmela, what about you? How did you find your way into this trivia role? Um, well, like Ben, I'm not a, a pub trivia player. Not really. I think I before I joined Trivial Warfare, I probably played pub trivia a handful of times. I did things like uh, brain brawl in high school, and I was on I was the captain of the academic team in my ROTC unit. So I, I liked like little games like that, but I never went out and did pub trivia. Um, I found my way onto Trivial Warfare because I happened to be friends with uh, I, I was first friends with Chris Hollister, and when they had started the show, it was just Chris and Jonathan, and. Um, they had brought in a, another host, a local host here in Jacksonville to kind of do some testing on a different game format. And I volunteered and Jonathan realized that the show, the way it was, was two middle-aged white guys and thought that they needed a female voice. <laughs> um, and so he agreed. And uh, that's, that's kind of how I made my way onto that show. And I think it's been great. We've been going for about, oh God, we're coming up on six years. I feel like oh. we're, I think we're dinosaurs in the podcast game. Um, <laughs> so, but and I didn't know that the community was as big as it was. I didn't realize the Jeopardy community was as big as it was. I just, to me, Jeopardy was like, it's a TV show. I mean, I, I knew they were real people, but I'm like, they just go on the show and then they're gone and then that's it. They're like, no, those people are all <laughs> friends and that's pretty awesome. And trying to find my my niche within the community uh, as, a, as a queer woman has been a little interesting. Um, just, you know, has been finding his niche within the community has been interesting for him. And um, I'm interested to know how the community is going to evolve as we uh, hopefully attract, you know, people who are interested in trivia and interested in, in continuous learning, um, bringing them into the community and bringing more diverse voices into it. I agree a hundred percent. And um, I'm feeling like 
I feel like I need to learn more about the trivia community. Maybe I'm all isolated by myself out on the West Coast, but uh, yeah, maybe you guys can hook me up one of these days. Absolutely. Cool. And uh, that brings us to Aaron. Aaron, you want to give us a quick rundown? I'm sure some of our regular listeners have heard both your and my story before, but a recap. Sure. Yeah, I, similar to Carmela and Ben, I never really thought of Jeopardy as a community. Jeopardy was just a thing that I watched after Wheel of Fortune with my parents growing up. And um, learning that that is a, such a cool tight-knit community has been really eye-opening and interesting. It's a it's a group of people that are, are close and it's really cool. Um, but yeah, I started playing trivia with some friends from high school because I live in the town I grew up in and I thought it was really fun. And then I found um, a group of my people from my local subreddit who played every week and we'd pick a different bar every week and go play trivia there. And I started hosting about four years ago and uh, I obviously I don't know anymore now who's where, but I, I do know that for a long time you were very hard pressed to find another female host in the city. And I can't think of any um, non-white hosts in the city. And I'm, I'm sure there were some, and I'm sure I just didn't know. Cause you know, I'm sure it's like this everywhere, but trivia is ubiquitous. Like there's, you know, a dozen games on any given evening. So I'm sure they were there, but I went to a lot of games and it was a bunch of white dudes hosting. And I think it's probably gotten better. Like Carmela said, I think in the four years I've been hosting and the six years y'all been podcasting, it's gotten more diverse, but we still got a long way to go. But as for me hosting, and we'll talk about this more, one of the things that I am often most surprised to find that I don't even think about those, those aha moments when you're like, oh, wow, this has been a huge blind spot for me is non-European history and non-white people stuff. And um, I think we're, we'll talk, like I said, we'll talk about this more, but I think that's something that all of us can probably do better at. And we're going to talk about how to get there tonight, I hope. Thanks, Come Aaron. and tell us about and you. And I guess, <laughs> oh, thanks, Aaron. Well, I'll try to keep it short because we are all chomping at the bit to <laughs> dive into our main topic. My name is Calvin. I host Trivia in San Francisco, California. And me, I played a little bit of pub trivia before casually kind of socially with friends much like Aaron and I just thought to myself huh writing trivia questions seems like a really fun challenge and I somehow also got roped into hosting so for me I really like the question writing part and using trivia to reflect on my own worldviews and ways I can improve and ways I could also contribute to my audience which is the reason why I think this is a very important topic for today so we begin our main conversation about diversity, probably with a little more backstory about the things that we've noticed over the years of us hosting and either things that we paid attention to that think other people might have overlooked or just kind of our observations as all of us are not kind of more traditional trivia hosts. So maybe we have a different uh, eye for what is out there. So kind of, yeah, what are those kind of things that you've noticed uh, who would like to start maybe with a story or a point yeah so um you know growing up uh whilst i was born in detroit i uh, grew up in, in um in alabama and my mother was very adamant about um being proud of my blackness and would always emphasize examples to me um in media or in history about excellent black people. 
So, you know, knowing and understanding black history and, and the impacts of, of how um, those historical figures, what the impacts those historical figures had was something that was emphasized to me from an early age. And as I got older, as I would casually watch Jeopardy, you know, I noticed that, you know, Jeopardy over the years really has done, um, in my opinion, a great job of trying to introduce more diverse categories. Uh, I will regularly see black history as a category on the board. But um, as Alex would read through the questions, uh, a lot of them were the triple beat questions, you know, where it's like, duh, 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 like nobody knows what the answer is. I call those triple beat <laughs> questions. And it was like, you know, I, and I'm, I'm killing this category because I know these names by heart since I was a child, but they, for whatever reason, the people who were on the show at those particular times couldn't come up with answers. And, you know, a lot of that is, um, you know, this was in the 80s when I kind of grew up as a child. And, and back then, um, you know, black history was still very much uh, siloed and, and it wasn't something it, it hadn't really started to really permeate mainstream history teaching in schools yet. Um, you would hear, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks. And, you know, most white people know who, the, who those people are. Uh, most white people know who Malcolm X is, and most white people really misunderstand, you know, what Malcolm X, his values really were about, because there's a there's stereotype of uh, being militant and violent that he is in, incorrectly appropriated to. So, um, but when you start to talk about, you know, other figures, uh, some of which are going to be actually in the questions going to ask later, like it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't dig down quite as far. So, you know, part of what I've what I've tried to do is, as, as part of hosting Trivia Warfare, is to sprinkle in questions that um, will be able to introduce some of these second tier and third tier people. Not they're not second tier in terms of importance, but in terms yeah. of uh, infamy or, or or you know celebrity, and try to introduce you know some of these concepts. And you know maybe the next time there's a Black History category, they won't go triple beep at all in any of those <laughs> questions. So that, that's kind of been my my take on, you know, the lack of diversity in trivia. Mm -hmm. And Ben, I kind of have a follow up question, which I would like to hear from you, but also anyone else who could chime in, because I think we all experience this. But when you write trivia questions for your audience, how do you balance between things that they're they're supposed to know? Right, you're you're writing trivia because there's a chance that someone might know it versus teaching your audience something new and about someone they really shouldn't know, right? Like I always feel right. like as trivia hosts, we're really trying to find that perfect balance between those two. Do you have a take on that? I do. Um, so when I first started writing questions, I was really bad at it because I'm not a good trivia player because I don't, I, I did not go to trivia or trivia pubs or, or do trivia on a regular basis. So I didn't have a good frame of reference in the beginning of you know what is the what is a fair question to ask? Um, you know I, I remember famously asking a question about Jacques Cousteau um, inventing um, scuba gear, and my question was who was the the engineer that he worked with to help develop scuba? Right, that's not knowable. Right? <laughs> nobody knows <laughs> nobody knows who you know Charles Rougeau or whatever his name is, but. Me not being a good trivia player, I was very ignorant of what was knowable and what wasn't knowable. Um, but over time, as I've you know worked and, and written questions and gotten feedback from folks who are in the community and, and good players, I've started to get a good understanding of you know what's kind of inbounds versus out of bounds. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of it is 
especially if you're writing questions, a lot of it really is going to be trial and error. Um, it, especially since it's someone like me, my trivia knowledge is the, the scope, overall scope is narrow, but I can go pretty deep in, in certain, certain categories. So when everything else is kind of a blur, you kind of pick up on, okay, what is, what is the right way to ask? Or can I turn this question backwards and, and make it to where you got to kind of fish for it? So instead of asking you for the name of that engineer, why don't I give you the engineer's name and give you a couple other clues to see if you can get to scuba, right? So, um, so a lot of that is, you know, tempering what the difficulties are. Now, in my case, I didn't really play test the questions beforehand. That's a really good idea I suggest to other people is folks that you know are good players, play test your questions beforehand with them if you have people that you trust to give you feedback. Um, I did all of this stuff kind of, <laughs> I got a shot out of a cannon, right? But, you know, I had people who loved me that would tell me, that's a terrible question, <laughs> right? But it, it made me it made me a lot better. And now I feel like I am a, I'm still not a good trivia player, but I feel like I am a good trivia question writer because of those experiences. That's a great statement. Well, Ben does not give himself enough credit. He is actually a a very good trivia player. I just don't think he believes in himself enough. Um, But I also think some of that might be because of some of the things that we're talking about. Um, You know, Ben mentioned before he was born in Detroit, grew up in Alabama, um, was pretty immersed in his own culture. Um, But, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in regular trivia games skew Eurocentric. And maybe that's just not something that Ben is completely immersed in. Um, And the kind of that balance, because I have, I do it as well with my own questions that I write. And, you know, sometimes it's because it's a, it's a topic that I don't know anything about. So like, I'm not real good at sports, um, especially, you know, like your big four sports. So I may ask a tri- a sports trivia question that I'm like, I don't know if this is uh, good or not because I have no, um, I have no frame of reference for the source material. <laughs> so I might ask a basketball question that nobody knows. And I was just like, well, I thought, I thought it was a good question because it, it looked interesting to me. Um, but even for things like I write a lot of questions about um, you know LGBT people in history or uh, famous women. And, you know, maybe it's not something that people know. And there's ways that you can go around that by kind of front loading that information in the front and having them answer like what that person did. Um, so there are ways to go about doing that that makes it a bit more accessible to broader audiences. I think that just takes practice, honestly. You might not be able to do that out the gate, but uh, hopefully six years in, we're better at doing that now. <laughs> it is definitely. And I think that you kind of put your finger on it with regards to the, the subject matter expert element of it you know what you are to sports i am to black history because like ben said the word silo and i immediately grabbed a piece of paper and wrote it down because i think that's a really good word to describe all of the you know black history women's history lgbt all that stuff these these silo topics that don't permeate the way that they should and certainly didn't i think when a lot of us were growing up and you know in school you had the black history unit in anything else that was you know here's this little silo in the middle of european history lgbt history in the middle of you know american history and and that that affects i mean for me that affected the way that i come to these sorts of things and i have the same relationship to black history as carmela does to sports and as i do to sports as well and it's always so eye-opening and humbling when i'm like 
oh, shit, this should not be something that I don't, this shouldn't be hard. This shouldn't be something that is less accessible to me. And I, mm-hmm. I like you guys, I, I want to think I've gotten better, but who knows? But what was most eye-opening for me, I think, was this was a couple years ago. My friend Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Robbins, I was chatting to him and Jonathan is a white man. He's married to a black woman and she is super cool and I like her a lot and she never came to trivia. And I said, Jonathan, when am I going to see your wife? And he said, well, you know, this isn't really her, her scene. And he said, honestly, you don't ask a lot of questions that aren't white people centric. And I, and he, he put it much gentler than that. Um, but that was the gist of it. And I went, oh shit, he's right. And it was something that I'd never thought about because I'd never had cause to think about it because we write what we know. And I think every trivia writer will tell you the first like hand X games or X questions they write, no one else liked because you write about the stuff that you like. And then as you get better, you get how to, how to incorporate things and bring things in and broaden your own horizons. But we write what we know. And what I know is, you know, Eurocentric history and all of the white people stuff that we're taught. And I realized, I was like, I couldn't tell you the last time I asked a question about someone who wasn't white unless it was as part of around on not white people. And I went, oh, that's embarrassing. And I've been trying to fix it. Um, but it's hard because, you know, we, we default to what we know. And it's just about, for me, it's been about consciousness raising and awareness and having people who will gently say to me, you don't ask enough <laughs> non-white people shit, fix it. Right. You know, a fish doesn't know it's wet. Right. So you have to you have to you have to understand where your privilege is. And then once you know where it is and then you can either use that privilege to your advantage to lift up other voices or you can ignore it and just keep doing the same thing that you were doing before. Those are really your two (laughs) options. Um, So I'm glad that you are using your privilege in a way that it's lifting other voices up. Um, I, I actually had been thinking about this because of a comment that we received, you know, we've been on for uh, for several years now, so we have uh, quite a few reviews, and some of the reviews are interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, for my games in particular, I tend—I mean, I, I do write about science and, and and history and things like that, but I also tend to write a lot about pop culture, um, and because that's kind of where my own interest lies. I mean, I, I am interested in other things. But, you know, there's lots of fun stuff going on right now. And someone's like, you know, I don't think that they would do very well on Jeopardy because they don't ask enough history or, or science or blah, 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 blah. And I thought that was one extremely classist, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, like, cause there, there's just like such a, an air about, you know, oh, you have to be super educated in the realms of science and history and, and mathematics and all this other stuff. <laughs> but also it's kind of, it's also kind of racist because if you think about a lot of the hard trivia, like the, the hard line trivia that gets asked, you know, things about history and science, most of that is Eurocentric. Um, the pop culture stuff who drives pop culture, especially in our country, it's black people and queer people. So if you're asking a lot about pop culture, things that are happening now, you're not as Euro-focused as maybe some of the hardline trivia. So maybe yeah. that's something to think about, too. Or come, based on that comment, come on, I'm going to ask you a question. And sure. also, actually, to anyone, do you feel like you said that uh, it's mainly black and LGBT, pe- LGBT people who drive entertainment. Do you feel like in that context, like 
sometimes that like black people only get mentioned in the context of entertainment. Oh, absolutely. The first Academy Award winning actress, right? There's always that like qualifier to everything. Who is the first? Who is? Oh, the, absolutely. Right? Like you can't just <laughs> like one example I really like is um, the classic example is who is the first African American Supreme Court justice, and everyone knows it's Thurgood Marshall. Yeah. Thurgood Marshall did a whole bunch of other stuff in his life. He was on Brown v. Board, right? Mm -hmm. He tried cases for NAACP. Like, there's more to know about him. Like, don't use a quali- – like, you don't need to use the Supreme Court justice qualifier as the only thing people would know about him. He's got a lot more interesting things. So, yeah, like, I, I'm with you in the sense that, like, sometimes – you know, like a host might be like, oh, I think I'm being diverse because I mention black or queer people on my show. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but they're all entertainers. Right. They're all so. entertainers. And that is true. <laughs> um, and the, the reason I, I brought up, you know, that it, it, it tends to be black and queer people and especially black queer people who drive a lot of pop culture. Um, I mean, because most of the what we would consider slang comes directly out of AAV, um, African American vernacular English, comes straight out of the queer community, and it gets appropriated and it ends up being widespread. Um, but for things like, and it goes back to what Ben was talking about, where he's like, everyone knows who Rosa Parks is, everyone knows who MLK is, and he will come in and say, but here are some other people that you really should know <laughs> um, that are also sprinkled throughout history. So I, I absolutely yeah. do believe that a lot of that stuff gets qualified with like, who was the first or who was the oldest and all that other stuff. So if I had a definitely. nickel for every time a Pride trivia event asked about the Stonewall. It's like, okay, <laughs> there's about, other events. In what LGBT about the Compton cafeteria riots? I mean, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Which yeah, happened exactly. in San Francisco. Uh, Francisco. You know, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I, um, we have, we do have, Ben and I especially will sprinkle that stuff into our own games, but we also ha- do have dedicated episodes to celebrate those kinds of things. We've done Black History Month for the past few years. Uh, Women's History Month is in March. We've done that the last couple of years. Um, and then starting last year, we started to do a, a Pride Month episode, which I host and write. Um, to those, those episodes, at least for me, I don't know what it's like for Ben, those are hard episodes for me to write because... I don't have a bank of questions that I've been building up special for this one episode because I write that stuff all the time. And now I have to like, what have I not asked yet? (laughs) I don't know if you feel that way when you do. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I run into this. Well, there's a couple of issues there. One is, um, and I I have comment. I want to say back before that, but the issue with writing those special episodes, one issue is, you know, you don't have a bank of questions, so you are trying to assemble questions around the central topic. The other problem that you have is um, even within Black History Month and, and Black History and Culture, um, there's even within that 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 scope, there are you know easy, medium, and hard questions to ask. And I'll, we actually have a hard time getting some of our Black listeners and Black patrons onto the show because they're afraid that they may not know that they're not well-versed on black history enough to be able to do well in the show. So you do have to kind of temper your questions and kind of figure out, okay, well, how deep do I go in this particular topic? You know, and and, and it's something that you have to to play around with. Um, But kind of going back to your, what you said earlier about being diverse in the mainstream, you know, um, or, you know, writing about, you know, who was the first black Supreme Court justice. Um, you know, when was the last time you saw a black male on TV that was not uh, an athlete, an entertainer, or a suspect? 
right? Um, it's, I mean, you really have to think really hard. You know, when, when have you seen a successful black male in society in general that wasn't one of those three things? And, um, and so, yeah, I, I do think that a lot of times things skew really hard, you know, when you talk about black culture towards more of your, um, you know, pop culture uh, questions and topics. Um, but, you know, I would say it's, you know, I think that white guilt is definitely a good thing, but you have to, and like Armando said earlier, it's important for you to, once you recognize your privilege, to work past your guilt and then use your, leverage your privilege to help the other privilege. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm okay with you people asking questions in, in trivia, like who was the black, first black Supreme Court justice? I'm kind of okay with that because, and the reason is because, you know, if people are going to trivia on a regular basis, those tend to be naturally curious people. And if you open the door like that, and then you press yourself a little bit harder to ask something a little deeper, like turning the question around and trying to get people to come back to Thurgood Marshall, you know, at least some of those people may go home and want to Google Thurgood Marshall and want to learn a little bit more about, you know, the, the things and the contributions that he made. Um, so it, it I'm, I'm okay with, with having inclusion. And, you know, I'm, I'm also okay with the majority of your show being about white people because the majority of the United States is white people. And the majority of the people who are paying to come to trivia are white people. So you don't have to make the show 50% black. You know, uh, I took the Jeopardy test last year. You know, it's 50 questions. Five of them were about black people. I'm okay, I'm okay with 10%. I feel like that's a good representation. You know, um, it, so it's, so for me, I, it's not like I, I, I want to walk in and, and all of the questions are suddenly about, you know, Martin instead of friends. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and because that's what my community was watching in the 90s. Yeah. When, when y'all were watching Seinfeld and Friends, I was watching like Martin and Living Single, things like that. And I'll tell you right now, you pick the three funniest episodes from Friends. I can pick any three random episodes from Martin and you sit down and watch them and you will agree that Martin is 10 times funnier than Friends. <laughs> it's just, it's an amazing show. But it yeah. wasn't, it, you know, Martin, you know, white people in general, are not going to be comfortable watching shows about black families and black situations, right? Because they don't connect to it. It's not that, it's not that you're racist. You just, you you can't see, you can't identify with the situation that you're seeing on the television. You know, this is a choice that you make. So, yeah, so it's, so it is kind of this line that you have to kind of find your balance with. Um, and, you know, from an LGBT standpoint, you know, there's this line of, you know, how much gay romance do we show on TV? You know, how, how many barriers do we really want to break down here, right? Because on one hand, you want to be able to celebrate and acknowledge um, the community. Then on the other hand, you have to worry about uh, homophobic people who would be offended by seeing too many kids on, on TV and then the complaints in the FCC and all of that. You know? So how do you balance that? You know, um, um, In that particular situation, I say, fuck those people. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean... Um, I mean, because I mean, homophobia does exist, obviously. Um, It's not like, you know, where there's hardcore porn on ABC, um, you know, because then we'd have a whole other situation. But I mean, it's just two people who, you know, are being portrayed as people who care deeply about each other, which we've been doing on television since its existence so i don't understand why some people get so freaking offended and like oh my god my kids are gonna see this like when when you look at a little you know two-year-old you ask them if they have a girlfriend i mean it's it's kind of it's it's really weird to have that that be the thing that offends you (laughs) just i just i don't understand 
I'm just but, offended by the way yeah. romance is portrayed in general on TV because it's unrealistic <laughs> and sets high standards. Well, that that's are also true. <laughs> that's also true. I've also been watching a lot of horror movies. So, um, you know, if someone doesn't wind up dead, then I feel like my expectations aren't being met. It's just TV's a mess. <laughs> in, in a similar vein to not having to adjust your questions like do you have either of you any either of you ever felt pressured by your audience or the demographic of your audience to either omit or maybe rephrase a certain question or generally has you feel like you can understand that your audience supports you in your efforts um okay. yes yes i have felt that pressure um i Again, this goes back to comments that I've received, you know, after different shows have have aired from the from our podcast. Um, Someone had said that I have a a kind of an obsession with um, how young I am. I'm the youngest person on our show. That's just a fact. I'm not super young. I'm I'm in my early 30s. I'm I'm a millennial, um, but I do a show with three Gen Xers, and two of them are white Gen Xers. Um, So I tend to ask, like, I asked a question. And it was um, it was lyrics to a 21 pilot song. The song was like in the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. It was a perfectly legitimate question. It just happened to be a song that I liked. And I had mentioned it when I was asking the question. And someone had made a comment that what I ask is not real trivia because I'm just asking about things I like and things that kind of play into, you know, people my age, what we like. And... I think that kind of skews, you know, we, we say, do, does the, the trivia community skew white? Does it skew male? And I, yes, I do believe it does. I also believe it skews very heavily towards Gen X um, because, mm-hmm. because that's kind of where that, that point. Think about how many 80s movies questions you have either heard or asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah. and because the, the people, the, a lot of people who go to these games grew up watching those movies so that's what they're nostalgic for and those yeah. games th- those questions play really well and i totally get it but i grew up i was born at the end of the 80s i was born in, right. at the end of 87 i don't know all that stuff uh, <laughs> yeah. as super well as other people do so they're like yeah, and, and that shifts those generation shifts so if you read if you go back to trivial pursuit from the 90s those questions are written about tv shows in the 50s and 60s right because, and yeah and go it, ahead. <laughs> so it's it's just you know very strange like you know for me to get that comment of why are you so obsessed with how young you are i'm like i have to remind people sometimes because they will ask me a question i've been like dude i wasn't born yet <laughs> i have no frame of reference to what you are talking about or they'll have like they'll somebody will ask me about a show um i've said it before uh, about regarding um south park south park has been on for a super long time it's a it was a pop culture moment it's not a show that i watch anymore but i i tell people that the the arc of that show for me is it was a show that i was not allowed to watch to a show that i did watch to a show that i no longer want to watch because i've outgrown it (laughs) (laughs) because that show premiered when i was in the third grade so it's just i'm just like that's that's where my point of reference is so if you have a problem with me saying hey i'm not old enough to know that or have that be a pop culture reference for me then i'm sorry that offends you but i i do think that the this the 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 venn diagram of where the majority of of the demographic likes to point their trivia is white male and gen x 
It will probably sh- it will probably shift in 15 years. It will be white male and millennials. But I just I just feel like right now that's that's the the center of the Venn diagram <laughs> is white male and Gen X. <laughs> And I, that's that's well, really that's, interesting. You know, that, that's the demographic that's that's asking the questions primarily. Mm-hmm. And I don't. It's not. I don't think the intent there, from from a overarching trivia writing standpoint, I don't think the overarching intent is to be exclusive or racist or sexist. Or, oh, or not abs- I don't just, think there's some yeah, vast yeah. conspiracy to do it. Right. It's just it's the re- yeah. reality of what it is. Yeah. But that's not the only audience that's there. So maybe if we yeah, kind that, of skew right. those circles just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like the comments that you're reading is coming from people who are not, who, um, you know, are not able to see that there's a disparity and that, you know, whether your intent is to break the disparity or not, you are just doing the same thing that the pantheon of trivia writers are doing, which is writing questions about things that interest you as a person. Right. It just happens to be different than what the Pantheon says. And there are some people who are who are too short-sighted or too self-centered to mm-hmm. see an opportunity to grow the Pantheon and instead say, well, that's not really a trivia question because it doesn't fit within the Pantheon. Right. Right. So, but there are people who are looking for opportunities. Hey, I don't read the comments because I'm like, you know, if, if yeah. Jonathan... If, Jonathan will get get something back to me if somebody says something or if I need to really address something. He'll he'll get he'll get the information to me. But you know, I'm I'm like you know what? If you don't like my questions, if you don't like my questions for because the questions are really not if it's not a fair question to ask from a structural standpoint or I didn't give enough information, you know, if it's if it wasn't a, a knowable question, okay, I take that feedback and I grow with it. But if you don't like the question just because you don't know Black history. Well, that's really not. That's really your problem. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. this is a you problem. As, as there's a <laughs> bunch of mediocre trivia hosts who will write about old dish things that happened in in the U.S. <laughs> See <you're laughs> angle. You'll love their games. <laughs> uh, Aaron, do I have any thoughts yeah. on? Um, yeah, just kind of that. Just either your audience or kind of writing for things and changing things up. Yeah, it's an interesting point that Carmela brought up. And I know this is something that I know at least you and I, Carmela, have discussed with regards to Learned League and how you see these people in Learned League complain that like, like the the question was essentially like, what is the name of Taylor Swift's most recent album? And it had like a 30% get rate or something that I thought was shockingly low. And it's just because I'm a 30-something woman who, I don't know a lot about pop culture, but I I know who Taylor Swift is. But so many of these people are, are the, the Gen Xers. And I think your y'all's audience, Ben and Carmela, skews older than mine and perhaps Calvin's. I think in terms of age distribution, a lot of my players um, are younger than me, my age are younger than me. And we've got I've got some folks that are older as well, and we kind of make fun of each other. But I don't necessarily have that same issue, I don't think. And if I do, people don't yell at me for it. Um, although hosting virtually has definitely opened me up to more people who are like, ask about MASH again. Um but one of the things that that I try to do um, in terms of people complaining about questions, Ben, like you were saying, you know, there is a difference between a question that is objective. Like if you're reading a question, every now and then you have those moments where as you're reading the question live, you're like, ah, this, this is a bad question and I'm sorry. Um, there, we all write bad questions. It happens. It's an art, not a science. But if you don't know it because it's something that you don't know but should, I've taken the approach of gently shaming my players. Like I did around... Um, I forget, 
It was uh, right around Juneteenth, which is a holiday that I think rose to prominence in the last year more than it took. It damn took us long enough, but it's something that I wasn't aware of until I was doing a play with a a majority of black cast and it fell like a rehearsal fell on Juneteenth. And that was when I learned about it. And that was as an adult as well. So, you know, I was late to the party too. So I'm not, not trying to throw that much shade, but you know, I think most people have caught up about what Juneteenth is and what it means. And that's great. So around that time I did a round on things that like Juneteenth, we all really should have known about by now, but we might not know them yet. And I prepared my audience. I'm like, y'all might not know most of these things, but I think they're all things that you will want to know more about. And like y'all said, I think it was Carmela who said like, or Ben, trivia players, some of them are very curious people. And if I can nudge them in the direction of learning something and in the process, learn something new. I learned so much right in that round. It was nuts. Um, you know, if I can be the shepherd to get people to that learning new things, then, then great. You, I, I've got a platform. I might as well use it. But sometimes I write bad questions too. I know. Uh- I played that game that where you wrote that round. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, I played that game. Um, and I thought it was great. I mean, did I know all the questions? No, absolutely not. Um, but, you know, the thing about going to a trivia game is you're not supposed to know everything in there. Because if you do know everything, that's not a fun game. <laughs> like I feel like we just, all know people you, who would disagree with that. But yes. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> I you, think you have you're those right. people that, that, that thrive on, you know, being the, you know, king know-it-all. But, you know, those people are not fun. <laughs> that might be fun for them, but those people are not fun. Um so no, I thought that round was great, and and you did. You know, you said here's the top, here's what I think uh, this is gonna do, and you know, you just ran with it. And you, no apologies, and I uh, I loved that. Thank you. I enjoyed doing it. One thing that I kind of wanted to vote by was it. I thought a lot about like kind of like what do I expect from my audience in trivia? Like, what do I want them to value? Like, do I want to value them being super smart? I'm like, okay, maybe. What I came to the conclusion of is that I just want a team i want to value like diversity and Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily with race or sexual preference or anything it's just diversity in the most general sense of the word i want them to you know to be able to have different perspectives to bring into trivia and i want them to beat the pants out of some a bunch of like ivy league academy quiz kids right because i want to reward you know multiple point of views and that's what really motivated me to kind of really view my trivia from like a very oh, will like someone who's always been quiet about some part of their life be able to answer this and it kind of communicate with their team and then the team talks together and they grow as a diverse group of people independent of my questions. So yeah, we, t- we hit the big ones. Um, we, I'm sure we can find uh, little nitpicks of areas that we all kind of like notice a lack of. And one of the reasons why uh, that really prompted me to kind of view this diversity as such an important factor was, gosh, it was a long time ago, but there was an article, uh, it was written in an Oakland newspaper about uh, three black girls' experiences doing trivia in Oakland. And they basically said, this is about a bunch of white people stuff that we don't really know, or we don't like, it's, it's just a different culture than ours. Why would we enjoy being here? And I was like, oh, shoot, I never really thought about that. So um, I asked everyone to kind of read the article. And uh, yeah, maybe. Does anyone have any comments about it? Anything 
yeah. like that experience? Yeah, I could talk through that. Um, I, a lot of what they were experiencing kind of resonated with me because they talk a lot about how, you know, there's just trivia questions that, you know, are just not something that would ever be in the wheelhouse of, you know, <laughs> um, you know, any black person that's even semi, um, that is semi immersed in their own culture, no matter how successful they are. Um, you know, when people ask questions about, you know, KISS or ACBC or Meatloaf, um, you know, that's, I think the expectation is that most of the people that you're talking to or asking a question to are familiar with those bands and listen to their, um, have listened to their music a lot. Um, but, you know, if you're a 35 or 40 year old black person, chances are, you know, you don't own or have never owned or no one in your family owns a Kiss album or an ACDC album or a Meatloaf album. That's just not the music that we grew up on. Now, if you ask me a song about the Gap Band or a new new edition, I I dare you to ask me a question about new edition. Right? <laughs> I would I would destroy it. I was just thinking about uh, new edition being an example of what would be a better question for Ben and to ask yeah. about versus Kiss. Um, yeah, I mean, because they ben, have you, six band members and I can rattle them off in my sleep. Right? <laughs> I mean, because th- there was a part in the in the article was like you know a black person would probably be able to rattle off you know something eurocentric but the reverse is not necessarily true um you know where you know ben could rattle off the members of kiss but i can't i mean i can name three members of new edition but i can't name all of them um you know so it's that kind of um that kind of um discrepancy like yeah i mean we i think would put more pressure on on black trivia players to know all the stuff that we know, but versus, you know, as a white person, that pressure is not necessarily on me to be able to get those questions. Right. Three out of six is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, three out of six is good. I, I know Ricky Bell. I know Bobby Brown, obviously. And, um, 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 um Ronnie DeVoe. Those are the only ones I can remember. <laughs> that's, like, again, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's better than I can do. <laughs> that's just because the movie was really good and that's what i remember <laughs> yeah uh, there was one part of the article that i kind of like it, it struck a little chord because it was a really short comment but basically like just because a question is about a certain demographic doesn't mean it's a question for that demographic right like does that kind of resonate or like well you know like yeah. i feel like there's music there's like black entertainers that like are still like very like white person friendly or mainstream friendly more put that way. And you know, you yeah. mentioned new edition. That's that that's no like a, I don't even know, like fifty <laughs> cent or whatever equivalent you want to use these days. Right. Like yeah, yeah. it's it's, well, it's it's different. Yeah. So, you know, new edition is is your eighties version of New Kids on the Block, right? That's you know, so if you ask New Kids on the Block questions, that's that's squarely within the pantheon of your trivia writing, right? But you know, New Edition was selling just as many albums as New Kids on the Block during one point in the eighties, and you know, so it, so that's what I'm saying. Like it's there, there's a you know there there is a disconnect there that exists. But you know, like I just asked a question recently on our on our show about um, you know I gave a list of uh, black actors and actresses that have won an an, 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 an Oscar for acting, right? So it was an acting Oscar that wasn't competitive. And I mean, that is an extremely short list. When you think about going back a hundred years of Oscars, 
there's not even 20 names on that list. Right? Yeah, I named yeah. 11 and half of them were incorrect. And um, that's because I named nomi- people. I remember being nominated, but they didn't actually win. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's but like there are I, people in my community, people that I know would would do very well on a question like that because we celebrate all of those people because all of those people, those are our heroes. Right. Because we don't. You know, we, we don't have, you know, a million or, or 500 or a thousand different celebrities to, to pick from to choose as a hero. Right. We, we've got, you know, it's a very small, it's a very small circle, a very small number. Um, and so when we when when someone that looks like us uh, achieves fame and success, um, it it is amplified in our minds because we know how much we desperately need more of us to be in the news and be talked about and become part of the trivia pantheon for or part uh, pantheon for a positive reason. Um, it, it's it's extremely critical. So, um, but I, again, I think it's like you said. The, the question can be uh, about a demographic, but not not necessarily for it. Um, John and I were leaving pub trivia one night. He said, "You know, man, you should start." You should start a trivia program that's exclusively for Black people. Like, it's, it's ju- you're just asking Black trivia questions, um, and like, it, it's a great idea. The problem that I will have is, well, where would I host it? <laughs> right? Like, where you know, who, how how would I be able to pitch that and generate enough revenue and attract enough Black folks in the city to come out? And Jacksonville is thirty percent Black, so it's not there's not a shortage. There's three hundred thousand Black people live here. There's no shortage of black folks there. But the problem that you would have is um, there the Venn diagram between, you know, the black community and people who like trivia is extremely small. It's a very small slice. And how do you target that specific slice of people? So um, I think that we there there's going to be a time when you'll be able to do something like that. But um, I think it's going to take more discussions like this for us to move in that direction. Yeah. You know, some of those things that we were talking about, like, you know, asking about Stonewall, like that, that's a question about, you know, about queer people, but that's not a question for queer people because most queer people know about Stonewall and know where it was. And, you know, they know it's in New York and they know what day it happened and they know that's why we have, that's why Pride is in June. But, you know, asking questions more like Marsha P. Johnson or Sylvia Rivera, that's more in the this is for queer people. Um, now, that, those are also two highly prominent figures within LGBT history. So maybe that's not necessarily the best example. But, you know, there's you know, even asking about Rock Hudson is probably more for queer people um, because, you know, he was closeted for his entire career. Um, but it's, there is a, a, a phrase that, uh, on a, that someone who hosts um, friends like these, and I haven't listened to friends like these for a while, um, but she says, okay, so as a well-meaning white woman, this is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> so I think as a well-meaning, you know, privileged person of your choice um this is what i'm trying to do like i'm trying to reach out and um i think i think that's noble um and i think that's a really awesome place to start it's if you stop there i have a problem (laughs) so i i don't want to discourage you from starting but i do want to encourage you to keep going after that (laughs) and i mean none of us are like 
singularly individual diverse about everything, right? Like oh, yeah, I yeah. mentioned earlier, we're all learning new things about everyone. But mm-hmm. I think just the effort of like trying to, you know, ask a friend, bounce an idea off, say, hey, is this a little weirdly phrased or if this is not working? I think most people will be happy. Like most of my friends are happy to give me feedback. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I could like trust their knowledge to help me come up with new ideas and something that might be a little less like I read it in, you know, like I read in some textbook, or I read in like some basically a list, like to have that information come from someone who's personally yeah. connected to it definitely makes for a more I will interesting s- trivia question. Oh, absolutely. I will say uh, I'm going to s- single out Ben here specifically because he's here. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a message from Ben um, to ask me a question about gender or um, LGBT stuff because he, because uh, he just needs, he's like, I don't know the answer to this. Um, so I'm hoping that you do. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, to, to try and get that information and, you know, I, I will always answer Ben's question every single time he asks as much as I can, at least. So, um, yeah. And, you know, Carmela's not the only queer person that I know. But <laughs> she, I know that. But you also know that I will answer you. And if I don't know the answer, like if you ask me specifically, that's it, that falls into that intersection of black and queer. I don't have that point right. of view and I don't want to point you in the wrong direction. I will tell right. you what I think, but I'd be like, hey, just so you know, you might want to ask somebody else this question. Yeah. <laughs> so, like if, if you find a question about Harry Potter, you got it. You're You're also same position. You're like, (laughs) you need to talk to someone who knows the subject. Who knows Harry Potter, yeah. So with Carmela, when I'm when I'm asking her questions about when I'm asking her, I'm gonna call them queer questions. Um, a lot of the times my tenor of the question is really around some of it is educational, but some of it is, you know, is this offensive? Right. Mm -hmm. So like I, I heard this term or I have this situation I'm dealing with and I want to deal with it in a way that will not raise offense. And I know that Carmela will be honest with me because she's a champion for, for <laughs> LGBT rights and for that community. And I know that if 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 she says it's offensive, it's offensive, right? She's not laid back about the issue. She, she takes it very seriously. And, and so I really, I I welcome her feedback and, and what she has to say. It, it carries a lot of weight in my mind because I know that I'm going to get, she's going to shoot straight with me and she's not going to bullshit me. So, so I appreciate that because I have queer friends that are very laid back and they they have very thick skin and they, you know, for whatever reason may not be as forthcoming or honest about, you know, the offensive nature of certain things. And I don't want to, I don't want to be in a gray area when it comes to things like that, because I want to embrace, you know, all of God's children or, you know, in a certain deity or lack of deity there, however you want to. I want to embrace everyone I come in contact with. And I want, I want everyone that I come in contact with to feel included and to feel loved. And I don't, I don't want to be abrasive towards anyone. And I think that's something that makes Carmela in particular, because I, I think I've probably, I know I've come to you with the similar kinds of questions, Mela. And I think, Ben, maybe I have with you with other stuff, just because I know that you guys are trivia people who, like, if I give you a question, first of all, you tell me if it's a shit question in general. And secondly, you tell me if it's a question <laughs> that's an issue for whatever reason. But that's something that makes y'all really great. Um, ambassadors um, feels like the wrong word, but you guys are great people to know because y'all don't blow smoke. You're not going to be like, no, it's mm-hmm. fine. You're going to be like, no, it's fucked up. Don't say that. And I love that about <laughs> you guys. Yeah. And I, I love that you guys through your work on trivial warfare um, and here, and you know, just in your existence are, are live your lives in a way that makes you people that I and 
I don't know if other people do this to y'all as well, but can go to and say, hey, I'm trying to make my game more inclusive and better. Can you help me? And you, you can. And that's freaking awesome. And I think trivia needs more people like you guys because there, there aren't enough right now. And that's why we're having these kinds of conversations. So, you know, love you guys and love that y'all at Trivia Warfare do those theme episodes. And I, I am almost positive that we've talked about all of the people who come out of the woodwork to complain about doing a women's history episode or a black history episode oh, because God. of fucking, of course there are. <laughs> those people are the reason we need more people like you. Right. Uh, the, some of the comments that we got after the fir- our first Pride episode last year were were pretty interesting. Um, and by interesting, I mean they were trash. Um, <laughs> but, but I was just like, so when I did, you know, and I I got some, I I had taken some questions from from outside. Um, which you know we do uh, occasionally. We have listener submitted questions that we'll include in our games, and. I decided for this year's that I was going to write the whole game myself because I'm like, no, this is a game that I, that is super important to me. I'm not going to let anyone else do it. It's going to be my game. And um, I don't know if we got the same kind of comments as we did last time. I don't think there are questions had anything to do with the comments. I think it was just those people being trash. But um, I don't know if we got the same kind of comments. Now, of course, we're in a really weird sphere this year <laughs> with people. Um, but like the very first women's episode we did, um, I was out on the Trivial Warfare Facebook page and I was looking at some of the you know things that, and, you know, someone had said, oh, this was the first episode that I listened to and uh, you guys have to know that not all women are feminists. And I was like, okay, <laughs> don't know why you felt the need to say that. Um, it's quite clearly, uh, if you listen to me for any length of time that you know that I am and I'm going to write from that perspective sorry and so that one didn't bother me as much i think um i think the the comments that got after the pride episode bothered me a lot more um i think part of it was because i didn't that game wasn't fully mine and i think that's why i also made it a point to make the game fully mine this year um but because of all of the turmoil and like internal struggles that I felt as a queer person coming out um and then it just kind of felt like someone was trying to shove me back into a closet and I didn't like that um so yeah <laughs> yeah I'll tell you I don't it's unfortunate I, I don't hang out on the trigger for a Facebook page much anymore Carmela but if you never ever need me to come in there and break some heads you know how to find me because that <laughs> yes that behavior, uh, and the, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mother. So I had a conversation with my mother yesterday. Um, well, first she was calling me because, um, you know, a, a hurricane kind of passed through and she was berating me because I didn't call and check on her about the hurricane. <laughs> um, but then it was like the 12th hurricane that hit the, this is what I'm saying. the it's, Gulf it's, Coast. It's hurricane Zeta. I mean, we're into Greek letters now. I'm tired of calling. <laughs> It's, that's how messed up this year has been. We are at like at the yeah. very bottom of the list for hurricane names, and no one knows anything about them. Right, exactly. <laughs> We're all but, learning a little know, bit more Greek than just, we. She she immediately launched into like this political discussion, like about voting. And I'm you know, talking about men not to vote, and she was saying, "Well, I don't normally vote Democrat, but I may have to vote this time, so I don't like Trump." And she said, "You know, but I def-, And then she says, "I'm definitely I don't support any of that LGBT stuff, right?" But she had a son who was bisexual. <laughs> <I'm> like, 
this is why I don't talk to you. Because <laughs> clearly there's cognitive <laughs> dissonance there. Um, so yeah, yeah, so you have a lot of that 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 exists, and I think um, I think that there are a lot of people. I mean, queer issues and, and talking about queer things, and I, I hope that me saying that word isn't offensive, um, but talking about queer things is just still very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, and a lot of it is really a lack of understanding and it's a, it's a choice to not educate self about those things um, because it just makes them uncomfortable, whether it be for just you know, uh, religious reasons or for just general cultural reasons, you know, whatever the source of the homophobia is, um, there, there's just there's a lack of readiness to, to really embrace a, a lot of that. And, and honestly, the race issue to a lesser degree you kind of, it follows those same paths, right? A lot of people are just uncomfortable talking about, you know, um, you know, racial issue, uh, racial diversity and, and race relations in the United States. Um, and it wasn't really until the George Floyd thing that happened that you started to see a tie kind of turn on that. But, you know, George Floyd was not the first black person to be murdered by police, right? He's like the 55 millionth person to be murdered by police. Um, but it was just something polarizing about that situation. It was kind of a perfect storm with COVID and everything else that was happening that really, really raised that attention. But you now see people are a lot, like the week after that happened, I was shopping on Amazon and the top trending items on Amazon were books written about race relations. So there is obvious that there were a lot of people at that time that were trying to educate themselves more about, you know, what happened and, and trying to get, you know, a better understanding. And, and bringing this back to trivia, you know, that's where I say that that curiosity can really occur because, you know, um, the more that you start to ask questions about um, things in that space, the more that you're able to open that door to that. Um, one of the things that I wanted to cover also was when you talk about diversity, you know, it's it's cool and I'm a black dude and we can talk about black stuff. But, um, you know, one of the one of the most effective and that kind of under the, the type of diversity that flies under radar the most to me is diversity of thought. Um, so when you think about like how to approach a trivia question, you were asking earlier about, you know, instead of moving away from questions was like, well, who was the first or who had holds the record for this or who did this on this date and that. Um, I like to try to introduce critical thinking uh, and educated guessing into my question. So I recently asked a question on the show about 1148.com. <laughs> right. Now, if you don't know, if you had never heard 11 foot 8, you would not have any. If I just asked, what is 11 foot 8.com? Right? That's, I, I that's have a never tough heard question this. to ask. This white girl right. has oh, no idea so what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let me ask. So, so I'm going to test that question here, right? So if I just ask, what is 11 foot 8.com? There's no way you're going to know it. But if I say the website 11 foot 8.com documents what event in Durham, North Carolina which has occurred over 160 times since 2008. Now you've got a little meat on the bone. Now you can say, okay, this is a specific place in Durham, North Carolina. This has happened 160 times in the last 12 years. 11 foot eight, that's a, that's a height. What could that be, right? So, so Aaron, what does that mean you toward? What are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, I watched a couple videos, so I, I'm yeah. aware of this one. So they both got to save you. Uh, it Aaron, help, I, help me. Yeah, quick. Okay, I'm tying in with Aaron to represent Quadravia. Uh, <laughs> does that have to do with a bridge of sorts? 
Yes. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, these videos are all very fun, but it is a bridge that's, I think it's slightly lower than a normal standard bridge. And there's numerous warnings about not to drive through it if your car's too tall or your truck's too tall. I know. And, uh, and it I gets hit a lot. <laughs> one to 60 times, a driver who thought to ignore signs must have driven his tall-ish truck or, yeah, tall truck into this bridge and just ripped the top off. Yeah. Yeah, they call it a can opener bridge. And it's mostly oh, that's old box trucks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's just video of trucks crashing into this overpass. <laughs> and it's uh, oh, it's man. cringy and amazing and hilarious all at the same time. Yeah, because it's, it's happened so much that this guy just set up a camera pointed <laughs> yeah. at the spot yeah. and <laughs> So it happened a bunch of times before he even set up the camera. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I'm on this website. I've completely forgotten what we were talking about, but they've got, they got t-shirts, y'all. This yeah, is awesome. They do. They do. Yeah. And so that's a, that's an example of a question where, well, if you've never heard of that website, that's not in the Pantheon, right? But I've given you enough information to where you could back into it, right? And that's exactly what Jonathan did. He had never heard of it before, but he took the clues and kind of backed into it, right? So yeah. that's that's what, so when you talk about diversity of thought, that's a good example of you know there's different ways you can approach a trivia question to where you're not just asking people to rattle off facts. You're actually trying to invoke some critical thinking to get them to piece things together and get to an answer. So I, I try to incorporate to- that. I'll chime in really quick, and then I think someone else is going to add on. But um, I t- I like that concept, but I do something more nefarious with my players. Is some t- like I feel like a lot of trivia people, like we were talking about superlatives, like first black, first woman, first queer, etc. Sometimes I just take out that modifier and let them come to their own conclusions. Like oh. I asked a question, which was about like uh, during the Crimean War, what British individual lowered the death rate at the hospital from forty two percent to two percent. Just doing simple things like washing hands and using clean sheets. And I, I just let people assume the gender of this person. And everyone's like, is it a doctor? Is it some, some person who discovered some cure? Yeah. So I, I didn't mention that she, she was female. And if I said female historical figure, then everyone might name the correct answer. But I let people's prejudices kind of lead them astray. And it's kind of fun. My people enjoy it. So like yeah. that's my way of making a fun question approachable and kind of like make people feel good about getting it. Yeah, I, I did a similar thing with a Bessie Coleman question. Uh, I asked who was the first woman of Native American descent to earn a pilot's license? Well, the answer is Bessie Coleman. She was actually black and Native American. Right. right. So I did something similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, the good trivia players will appreciate questions like that. And that's what people I would like to have on my show. Exactly. Absolutely. And I think the doing it that way is great. It shows some of the bias. You have to be careful in a format like ours, though. Because with you guys, with you and Aaron, you're reading questions out to, um, I'm hoping, upwards of 10 to 12 teams, um, if, if you guys are having a good night. But you know, for, for me and Ben, we're reading it to two teams and then those teams are, then that game is going to be broadcasted for other people uh, to listen to. So you, yeah. you do have to kind of open your net a little bit 
with with the wording of your questions because you're doing it to a, a really small subsect subsect. Um, but I love doing stuff like that. Like you assumed that I was talking about a man. That's your own <laughs> bias, dude. Um, so I love doing that, but I can't do that all the time. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I do that with sports questions, college sports in particular, a lot. Like mm-hmm. the you know the winningest coach in sports is. Um, and this might not even be true. This might be a terrible example, but like where the answer is a female coach or a female player or a women's team who did a remarkable thing. Yeah. And fun, probably. Yeah. Who was, um, the first, who was the first D1 coach to reach a thousand wins? Well, the answer is Pat Summit. It's not Mike Chichester, right? That's the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. And every now and then. It's all great to me. <laughs> huh? Oh, Yeah. Um, I see. I, I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I know high level that these are the kinds of questions I've asked. Answers elude me, but every now and then I'll, I'll ask the question and I'll word the question in a way that doesn't tip off. It's genderless, and every now and then some asshole in the crowd will holler like, "Did you say men's NCAA?" And I'm like, "Well, I didn't, but now you've called attention to it. So if you'd kept your damn mouth shut, you would have gotten the points." <laughs> but yeah, it's a good way to. It's a good way to, like y'all said, make people. Like, you know, we were so sure and we got it right because we forgot that women play sports. Like, yeah, maybe next time you won't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that whole Title IX thing was kind of a big deal. You might want to look it up. Okay. Well, we are nearing the end of the discussion. And I just wanted to go around and ask everyone one question. Uh, we talked a lot about how the... I think it's fair to say that the kind of diversity and background of people who play trivia is a little more diverse than the people who write trivia and host trivia. And we're all trying to be more inclusive for a diverse audience. Uh, Do you have any comments to either aspiring trivia writers or aspiring or current trivia goers about kind of your take on uh, having a more uh, diverse and fun trivia? Um, For me, I, you know, for people who are starting out, we all have to start somewhere, right? Um, You know, starting out with by writing things that you like is not a bad way to go. Um, But also, it's a really cool way to expand the things that you like or dive deeper into the things you already like by digging into those diverse topics within that subsection. So, like, if you're super into basketball, um, write about basketball, but also, like, kind of look into other things about basketball not necessarily like you know who's got the most rebounds and who's got you know not just dealing with stat blocks but just kind of dive deeper um i read a ton reading always helps i think reading makes everybody better trivia players um and for those who are playing sometimes sometimes it's just not going to be like that bar that's just not going to be the bar for you that's not going to be the game for you um and that's okay you know sometimes you have to shop around to find a game that you like um but hopefully people who you are playing with or games that you're going to will accept feedback some people don't and that's um too bad for them because i think that would make them better people but uh, you know sometimes you just have to Realize that they're not going to take whatever feedback that you want to give them and try your best to find a new game. And now with people broadcasting on Twitch, um, I play games from with people in Chicago and people in Richmond, and I don't live anywhere near those places. So there's definitely ways out there for you to find something that you're looking for. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, getting good at writing trivia questions, it's a skill that you develop over time. You know, it's it's not a function of how smart you are. And really, I don't think it's a function of how good a trivia player you are. Um, 
you know, being able to, to structure questions, to understand your audience, to know what's in the Pantheon and what's not, what should be in the Pantheon, you know, finding different angles, having a diversity of different topics. Um, all It's very difficult to really strike that balance and, and hit those notes all the time. And, but I, if, if it's something that you, re- if it's a craft that you dedicate yourself to, um, you will inevitably get better at it. Um, if you do two things that seem like they are mutually exclusive, but they're not. Um, first thing is um, you have to have a little bit of thick skin um, because there are, there are just, um, you know, trivia attracts smart people and a lot of smart people are assholes. There are a lot of dumb assholes too, <laughs> but you know, they're just, there's, there's just a lot of assholes Aaron in the world. Aaron can talk to in the world. And let me, let me restate that. It's not even smart people. Anytime that you would, you are attempting to achieve anything in life or get good at anything, you're going to attract assholes. Um, and it's, and a lot of that is the crabs in the bucket mentality where people just can't resist trying to pull you down when you're climbing up. So you have to have thick skin and be cognizant of the fact that some folks are just going to hate on you because you are, you are, you had the nerve to attempt to do something great. Um, and then the other part of that is while you're having that thick skin and ignoring the crabs, um, you also have to be receptive to feedback, um, from people that you trust, uh, from folks who you feel like are, are know more than you are or have achieved more than, than you. You have to be willing to accept feedback and use that as an opportunity to grow. And to expand your craft um, because it's it's hard. Writing trivia questions is, is really hard. Um, you know, from a player standpoint, um, you know, I'm not really a good player, so I don't know how how beneficial this advice is going to be. But um, I think it's a, it's really important to not be an asshole. You know, that's just really that's really important. You know, like my D and D team, there's like two rules. The first rule is don't be a dick, right? That's just <laughs> it's a good life advice. You know, don't just, be an asshole. <laughs> don't be a dick. You know, just just you know, we're we're here to have fun. You know, and if things may be technically incorrect, and there's a way that you can submit corrections or express your disdain without spoiling and ruining the fun for everybody. Um, Amen. You know, so just don't be a dick. Um, <laughs> don't be a dick. And don't forget that we're here advice. To have fun. Yeah. <laughs> It's all about having fun. You know, we're, this is not, you know, this is not a, a Saw movie where you've got to answer a question right to keep from dying, right? This is not life or death. You know what I'm saying? It's not life or death. It's you're drinking beer and having your favorite snack and listening to some good music. Just have fun. Relax, bro. Relax. It's going to be all right. Just, okay, you I know, missed right? your money this time. There's always next week or tomorrow. <laughs> just, just chill, bro. Just chill. Sometimes, if you're lucky, your trivia host will let you build their playlist like Aaron does. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I get to listen to it on the way to work on Friday, and it's always awesome. Um, yeah. To, to echo, I guess, what both of y'all have said. I mean, first of all, don't be a dick is my number one rule. Like just, and I, I kind of want to clip Ben's little rant just there and just play that at the beginning of my game. Like, <laughs> come on. But in terms of internalizing sort of what we talked about going forward, anyone who's aspiring, don't, don't be afraid to, I mean, look, people are going to be assholes. People are going to be mean to you. People are going to be insensitive to the fact that you tried really hard. People are assholes. Like trivia tracks assholes. It's part of the, part of what's, you know, 
part of what it is. But don't be afraid to try something new. Don't be afraid to learn something. And don't be afraid to ask questions that you may not have known the answer to yourself if you hadn't looked it up. And to help you with that, go get you a Carmelo or a Ben or someone who, like y'all said, someone who you trust, who you can say like, hey, um, I'm a, I'm a cishet white girl. Uh, what I'm going to ask this question about something that I'm nothing about. Help me out. And have people in your life, I mean, in general, not just in trivia, I think, but it's just good advice to surround yourself with people who bring different perspectives and will gently tell you if you're being a dick because no one wants to be a dick. But especially in trivia, don't be afraid to ask a question that you might have not known the answer to otherwise because that, you know, that way you learn and grow. And if you learn and grow, your audience learns and grows too. And I think everyone then is better off rising tide, lifting all boats and all that. So we have a resounding statement of don't be a dick, which is not just good advice for some new hosts and some trivia goers, but I think everyone. (laughs) 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 Um, Do I have any last parting thoughts of mine? Um, Oh, one thing would be like one of my favorite ways to write questions is to take a kind of almost like a textbook trivia question and just explore and dive deeper and find if there's anything more interesting about it. So I think that's a really great way to kind of still craft a question with your voice because you still write it from the ground up. Just use other people's trivia questions as starting points for your research topic. So like if you, if you kind of just copy the voice and format of very of existing trivia questions and you, it's just going to kind of, um, continue the cycle. So yeah, uh, don't do that. Use your own voice. And I think that if you're curious and you do some good research, those are going to be genuinely good questions. I love the idea. And I've been kind of doodling the idea over here while we've been talking about like asking questions about people who were the first like black person or person, brown person or LGBT person or whatever person to do a thing and ask a question about them that doesn't mention that they are the person who did the thing or, or from the demographic, I feel mm-hmm. like there, I obviously need to hone my focus, <laughs> but I think there's a <laughs> lot of room there to take those, those questions. Who was the block, first black Supreme court justice and then learn more about Thurgood Marshall than, cause I don't know a lot about him and that's stupid. I should know more about him. So I need to learn about him so I can ask a question about him that, that has that same educational vibe without being like a, uh, he was more than just the first person with quality X to do thing Y. So that's cool. Thanks guys. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Ben and Carmela for sharing your thoughts, your perspectives and your advice. It was lovely hearing from both of you. And now I think it is time to do our keyword challenge. Aaron, would you like to explain how the keyword challenge works? Sure. Uh, well, I'll tell you how it works for me. And then, you know, you guys can do it however you like. Cause I, I write questions <laughs> oddly. Uh, we have a, Keyword submitted by a listener. Your task, uh, I'd say should you choose to accept it, but you don't really have a choice, is to write a trivia question that contains the keyword either in the question or in the answer. And the point of this, and we're going to do it in about 10 minutes, the point of the exercise is just to show our different styles, our ways of doing things. Um, we, we will talk shit about if your question sucks and praise you if it's good. I always try to make my question as attenuated and irrelevant as possible. Um, I take it as a personal challenge, but you guys don't have to do that because that's kind of dumb. So our keyword tonight is from Flame Cranium in Neverland. Both of those things are in quotes. Uh, Your keyword is Civil War General Joseph Hooker. 
And your task is to write the best question you can uh, using Civil War General Joseph Hooker in the question or the answer. And while we do that, we are going to take you, the listeners, to some porn music. Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you you can check us out online at Quadrivia Pod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. We are back from break. We have questions. We are going to ask you questions. Carmela is going to start. All right. And um, my question is going to particularly challenge Aaron's memory. Oh, no. Because I don't know if um, if we've ever explained how uh, Aaron and I know each other. We are Geek Bowl team members for the past three years. And our first Geek Bowl was in Boston. So oh, no. we did a show at the Massachusetts State House. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So, I don't even know where this is going, but I'm curious now. So let's see. What's going to happen? Because um, I made a... I, I'll tell you this part later. But anyway, so here's the question. Joseph Hooker was a general in the Union Army and a native of Massachusetts. There's a statue memorializing him in front of the Massachusetts State House in Boston. Across the street from the State House is another Civil War memorial. This one for what regiment, which was the second African-American regiment in the United States? <sighs> Well, Aaron, apparently this is targeted at you. <laughs> yeah, because I. So okay, so here's Help. the thing, though. I was I was there physically, uh, mentally. I was <laughs> devastatingly hungover because I'd been in New York City the night before and stayed up till three a.m. with a cute boy that I just met from a Rangers podcast. Um, she she literally ran to the state house to make the show. <laughs> I did, I did, and I was and I said some of the dumbest things I've ever said during that recording, and it it was fun. Like you know, I I absolutely earned all the shit talking I got for that. But yeah, I remember this, and um, this is one of those scenarios where it's absolutely something I should know. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna plead hungover well, white girl. And let you guys do some talking. Well, we, we could still maybe reason this out. Ben, yes. do you have a take on this one? Um, no, I don't have any idea. <laughs> like all I could, I can't remember the number, but I re- think the regiment from actually, I, I don't know. I was like, is the regiment from Glory the one being referenced by this one? Do I even know how to formulate an answer? Are we are we all typing out with a guess? Is it a numbered regiment? Is it a something regiment? Can Aaron remember anything? <laughs> was Just it like moments from I that? had a headache? Was it like the fifty second or? Oh, number- you're so close. Okay, the numbers <laughs> five, twenty. The numbers five and two are in my head, and also the word <laughs> Tuskegee, which I believe is airmen and is therefore not the Civil War. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to blame that in my proximity to the Washington football team, who keep talking about. Maybe using them as a. I'm just going to keep making excuses uh, until someone saves me. She's <laughs> in the 252nd go regiment. 51st. Aaron's got answer. Is it 51st? It's close, but not. Okay, it, it is close. So uh, you are correct that it is the infantry that are the regiment that was portrayed in the movie Glory, okay. um, and it was led by I think it was Colonel Robert Shaw was the guy. I think that's who. 
um matthew broderick played um yeah he's a white yeah they were all white officers but the infantry itself were they were all african-american um this is the 54th massachusetts infantry regiment so So you were so close (laughs) i remember the statue you you did yeah so good statue <laughs> um yeah no the the monument itself i remember we walked past it because we walked from uh cheers to the state house to record um because we had we had a, we had a party at cheers right before that and i remember walking by it and i remember when we did that we did the show with two massachusetts state representatives and they hosted because they were fans of the show and they asked about that memorial and like we had literally walked past it to get into the state house and i could not remember the number <laughs> and um but when but when you said that the keyword was joseph hooker i remembered that on the side of the state house it was the hooker entrance right it was the, it, it was the joseph hooker entrance and i made a joke i said oh is that the entrance that the kennedys used to get into the building <laughs> and um the state representatives did not laugh <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was fucking hilarious. I, I thought it was and- very good. <laughs> so I was like, I, I, I was trying to figure out a way to ask that. But then I remembered that the, the other memorial was literally right across the street from John Joseph Hooker's statue. And uh, I was like, oh, let's just ask about that because that's more interesting. <laughs> so what y'all think? I liked it. I, I, I appreciated it. that um, it, it forced me to remember things that I almost retained. <laughs> the num the number might have been hard to get. I, yeah. I feel like Aaron helped us out a lot, but um I, I felt mentally vindicated referencing the correct piece of media. Yeah, the yeah, movie connection and, was respect um, respect that. Yeah, if if I wanted to make it easier, I probably would have you um give the movie as the answer. Mm. Um, but I wanted to see if anyone could remember yeah. what the actual regiment number was, which is, I mean, cause it's a pretty famous regiment within the war. Um, yeah. And I so, think if you asked about an African-American regiment during the civil war movie, people would right. be able to get it. Yeah. It's a little too much. So I, I like this one. I like the wording ultimately of this one. I prefer this one versus asking the movie. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. Ben, okay. do you have any thoughts about it, Benjamin? <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I, I second what everybody else said. I thought it was a really good question. The, the number is, is a little bit tough there, but I think that's gettable. That's in the pantheon, if you will. So, um, yeah, no, I thought it was solid. Okay. Well, let's get ready to grill Erin, because I think she's up next. Erin, <laughs> yes. would you like to give us your question? Absolutely. Fighting Joseph Hooker was a Civil War general. I live in Richmond, Virginia. I'd rather eat glass than write a question about Civil War generals. Joseph Hooker is not to be confused with Joseph Dalton Hooker, who was not a Civil War general, and appears on lists with names like Carl Linnaeus, Gregor Mendel, and Agnes Arbor as what specific type of scientist? Oh, Gregor Mendel is the guy who did the the Punnett squares. So I think this is either biology or... um genetics but probably biology yeah Linnaeus was classifications I think Mendel was Punnett squares and the like Mm -hmm. so could be like animal or plant related I don't know if there's a better sciencey word that covers both of those yeah um I think biology was probably probably be good enough do you want something more specific than biology Aaron uh or something different than biology. I, I would like something more correct than biology. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> botanists okay. were they botanists? 
hold on. Reconvene team. Okay. Reconvene, the wrong way. Let's huddle. Uh, that, okay. <laughs> you recognize anyone? I know Mendel did a bunch of squares. I think that, that those those experiments, I think, were primarily flowers. I think he started flowers to start. So botany, I think, is... But, I mean, biology... Botany is not, she said, more correct than biology. So So biology is too broad, so we have to like drill down. I unfortunately don't know who Agnes Arbor is, and I feel really bad about that. Um, I know who the other two guys are, but I don't, I don't know who the who the lady is in this. So what did the other guy do? What did the other guy do? Linnaeus is the classification, like reason that we have like kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. He's that guy. Taxonomy. Yeah. So how? No. Um, I like some plant related thing like botanist and or if not biology. I don't know. Fendel was old, <laughs> so like I don't think it was too advanced. Uh, yeah, I'm good with botany. Carmel, bio- biologist. <laughs> well, she wants something more correct than biology, so I would uh, go no, with botanist. Oh, no. Botanist, there you go. Sorry, yep. botanist. <laughs> Flower, plant stuff. Yes, he was a botanist. Woo! Um, yeah, Ben had it. Gregor Mendel, he did develop Punnett squares, but he did it using pea plants, flowering pea yeah, plants. Pea plants. Uh, around with those. Uh, Carl and Ice was a botanist. And Agnes Arbor, I Googled female botanist. The list was thin. She focused on uh, the monocotyledon group of flowering plants, which I believe are beans, if I'm remembering it's middle school science correctly. I think monocots are beans uh, and that sort of thing. I don't actually know. I, I, I didn't do enough research to even discuss my question <laughs> properly. Um, but yes, I, I was just saying to the folks on the recording, there was just a shooting at the statue of a Civil War general near my house. So I am out on Civil War generals until at least January 20th of next year. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Jesus. I, you know, I'd be happy yeah. to never talk about them ever again, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like if I never have to hear about another Civil War general, it'd be too Speaking soon. Speaking of topics that <laughs> skew towards older white guys. <laughs> Actually, uh, actually, let's change the order up a little bit. Ben, would you like to share your question now that you wrote on our keyword? Sure. sure. Oh, you're not letting me go last. I, I was going to bring up the rear, but uh, <laughs> I, I'll take it now. All right. So um, here's my question. Do you want, if you had a category name, I would say names the same would be my category name. One was a Union Civil War general. The other was an eponymous TV character played by William Shatner. They both share what last name? Ooh, I like that one. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the character is TJ Hooker. Yep. So, but I mean, we, we kind of know what the answer with this one be, would be because we didn't put um, right. Joseph Hooker in the question, um, which is cool because that's exactly what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Hooker. I know I, I like this version that you did there, for this for this there's topic. There's a lot of ways a question could go. You can make it a lot harder or easier by taking certain words out. So that that was the path I chose to follow. Yeah. Um. There's another one that you could do with um with the blue singer. So. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah that's true. One bourbon, one What's shot, one beer. Was that? Yeah, like is it, is it John uh, Hooker? They might actually have the same. Yeah. I, like they might actually have the same name. <laughs> I love those names, the same questions, because if you're working with a team, it's a really great way to get everyone engaged because everyone's going to have oh, at yeah. least an inkling about something. Yeah. 
And by the way, like I think if you found that third interesting hooker, that would that would <laughs> make it like you know stable triangle um, and all that stuff. John Lee Hooker. John Lee Hooker. Yeah. Uh, there you are, John Lee Hooker. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry for um, taking the last spot from you, Ben. But I was finalizing some things as so I noticed something was wrong when I wrote oh, no. the question. <laughs> uh, my question for you goes like this. Fighters Robert E. Lee and Joseph Hooker fought in which U.S. state at the Battle of Salem Church? In 1968, though, this state released an ad for lovers, allegedly completely unrelated to a recent Supreme Court case. Hmm. Um, well, I do know this one. I don't live there anymore, but I used to when I was a kid. And um, so, Aaron, Aaron, I live here sure. now. You live there now. Uh, I used to live several hundred miles from where you live uh, in South Virginia. <laughs> but this is definitely Virginia. So I, I imagine they're they're talking about the loving case um, in the in the end there. But yeah, this is definitely Virginia. Uh, yep, Virginia's for lovers. It's our state slogan. Yay. This is when a California boy tries to write questions about other U.S. states. <laughs> it's not well, your fault that all three of us are from the South and two yeah. of us have either lived yeah. in or uh, used to live in Virginia. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, normally we have any choose any two of Jason, Jeremy and Jeff on the show and they're all in Chicago. So they're going to ask yeah. Chicago questions. Or like one of us is accidentally going to ask a Chicago question that is very boring for them. So no, yeah, I'm going to rep the West Coast as much as I can. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> as you yeah. should. Yes. All right. And for y'all listening at home, be sure to go to quadriviapodcast.com to vote for your favorite. If Corey is an option for this uh, week's episode, don't vote for him. He just builds the website. So he inexplicably wins a lot of these and we're not sure how. <laughs> it's rigged. <laughs> <laughs> I susp- Suspicions are, are high. Um, and in case, <laughs> in case we haven't had enough of asking and answering questions, I believe it is time for the game, as they say. Uh, ben, do you have some questions for us? I do. I do. Excellent. So um, I, I pulled in an archive from uh, our Black History Month 2018 recording that we did. And uh, I picked out 10 questions here uh, from that game. So um, we'll see how all of you do on these questions. And okay. uh, so I'm going to give you a category name to read the question off. And then, uh, you know, you can confer amongst yourselves to try to answer separately each question. All right. So your category for your first question is, he's a bad mother. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Two men have played Private Eye John Shaft on the big screen. Name both of them. I know this one. I, and I'm taking my own advice and I'm. Not going to be afraid to be wrong. And I know this from South Park. Was Isaac Hayes one of them? Isaac Hayes did the music. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll take it. There you go. uh, Richard Roundtree is like the most famous one. I think he was the original Shaft, but I don't know who played the new one. But it it would. Richard Roundtree was the old one. And I think it was Samuel Jackson. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if it was Sam Jackson. Um, yeah, so I'm cool with that. I mean, Richard Rentree is the iconic one, and um, I can see, I definitely see um, Samuel Jackson doing the remake. The original in the 70s was played by Richard Rentree, and then uh, Sam Jackson actually did two reboots of it. Oh, wow. He's been staffed twice. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> Richard Rentree and Sam Jackson are the correct answers. Woo! All right, your second question is in science. Science. 
This, this is going to be instigate for Carmela. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what alum of Harvard and Columbia penned the book Astrophysics for People in a Hurry? <laughs> I know this one too. I have this book. Oh, gosh. The, this book is literally on the shelf behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is. I heard about this book from you. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And I've been keeping my eye out for it. And I was at Barnes and Noble, I think probably a couple years ago now. And I don't remember what the promotion was, but basically, if I bought the book, I got a free cookie. I was like, this is great because I've wanted this book anyway. And now I get a cookie. (laughs) (laughs) I own a a lot of books by this man, actually. I don't know this straight up, but I can take a shot. Okay. If everyone else already knows it, is his name Neil? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, I believe, he is the head of the Hayden Planetarium in New York right now. So, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yep. Yeah. Was yeah. just on the Colbert uh, uh, late night with Stephen Colbert this past week. Oh, cool. <laughs> Talking about the meteor that's literally going to pass us tomorrow, <laughs> or the asteroid oh. that's going to pass us cool. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he was well. voted the uh, sexiest astrophysicist alive. It is Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know who else is in competition for that, but I'm going to say he was it was well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your next question is in names. Martin Luther King Sr. and Jr. were both named after the German reformer Martin Luther, but neither were born with that name. What is their birth first name? Oh, this is one of those that I should know, and I don't think I do. Um, give me, give I, me a second. Th- it's going to come to me. Maybe. I think I know this because I think I've talked to Ben about it before. It kind of helps that I, I know that I, I am really good friends with the question writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it never and, we, hurts. and we've talked about this. <laughs> I want so to tell you, know it, Carmela? I, I, I do. I want to tell okay. myself this is one that if you asked it to me the other way, I would know it, but that might just be trying to soothe my own guilt over not knowing it off the top of my head. But I don't, yeah. I remember, I remember it being very similar. It, it just sounds, I think it might, ugh, does it also begin with M? It does. Ah, uh, shoot. So if it's not Martin. Martin? <sighs> it's another biblical name. Yeah, so. Nimrod. Michael. Noah? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep, the famous M name, Nimrod. <laughs> Nimrod. <laughs> Be like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. <laughs> um y- you've said it actually oh, sh- it, well i don't is it michael yeah it's michael oh yeah they were they were oh bad. emma's I, emma's and mancy got it yeah emma's and mancy <laughs> <laughs> you of all people what <laughs> so, so did sorry go did ahead. martin luther king senior ever go by martin or that was just martin luther king jr he was born michael luther king that was his name. So then, I guess like, oh, go, sorry, go ahead. So he was born, so Senior was born Michael Luther King. And when uh, his son was born, he named him Michael Luther King Jr. But then they visited Germany when Senior, when Junior was five years old. And at that point, the father decided to legally change both of their names to Martin Luther uh, instead of Michael. So they changed both their names. Yes. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. Cool. That's cool. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I learned that from Ben. <laughs> yep. All right. Your fourth question is in science. 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 Again? Yeah, science. Again. Science again, yeah. (laughs) 
What inventor is credited with creating precursors to modern hair relaxers, gas masks, and traffic signals? Yes, this is a black inventor not named Carver. I know. That's, yeah. That was <laughs> an easy one. But yeah, it, uh, it, it's a woman. Um, I'm thinking it more from the hair relaxers, and I'm hoping I'm thinking of the right person. Like, she built this whole empire, um, like, in the early... Uh, 1900s because of it it's like it's like madam something um oh my yeah. god ben, ben we've talked about this <laughs> is it like i i netflix did a movie about her right i think yeah I, if about. i'm thinking of the right person there 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 was recently like probably within the last five years um you know a movie and, and it's madam something like is it a C? I, I, I can't remember. And I'm going to kick myself as soon as he tells me because Ben and I have talked about this. <laughs> but it, it has fallen out of my brain. I, I know all the stuff around her, but not, I can't remember her name. Ben, are we tantalizing close or are we barking up the wrong tree for this one? Uh, wrong tree. Oh, oh no. so I'm not, no. I'm not thinking of the right, right person. Oh, no. We we've talked about the lady that I'm I'm we talking have, yes. about, right? Yes, okay. Yes, <laughs> she didn't. Yeah, she didn't do relaxers, right? She just did more like like relaxers are chemical and kind of harsh. I thought she did something more like a like a Vaseline kind of based treatment. But anyway, I'm trying to struggle with another. You said uh, traffic lights. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was uh, hair re- precursors to hair relaxers, gas masks, and traffic signals. Oh, I don't know. I, I, if it's not the the person I was thinking of before, I'm I don't know this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to tap out for this one. All right, uh, your inventor is Garrett Morgan. Oh, Garrett we have talked about Morgan. him. Garrett Morgan. <laughs> Who was I thinking about? Madam C.J. Walker. Uh, C.J. Walker. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I frequently get her conflated with Mary McLeod with them. I get those two mixed up all the time. So CJ Walker was uh, hair products. Mary Club Bethune was a uh, was an educator and a right. civil rights activist. And yeah. Bethune Cookman is named after her. Yeah, there's a there's a, a is it an HBCU? I can't remember if it yes, is. Yes, it's a, an HBCU. Yeah. Okay. Daytona. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it gained university status a few years back. It used to be Bethune Cookman College. It's now Bethune Cookman yeah. University. Yeah. Cool. So I'm, f- I'm familiar with the university. So. All right. All right. Your next question is in movies. What 1985 movie directed by Steven Spielberg shares the record for the most Oscar nominations without a win? How does this relate to black history? (laughs) Because Steven Spielberg is a very white man. (laughs) That's that's what I was thinking about, too. Uh, 84. 85. 85. I keep on saying 84. <laughs> You're stuck on 84, man. <laughs> like, okay. E.T., older or newer? This is slightly before me, so I can't um, E.T. is going to be before. I think that's 83. Um, anyone rattle off any other Steven Spielberg movies from around that time? <sighs> Usually when you when you say Spielberg and 80s and the same thing, I always go to E.T. Um, but again, you know, that's kind of what I referred to earlier, like how many 80s questions about 80s movies do we get? And I don't know all of them. <laughs> I I don't know this. I, I don't know how a, it relates. No, it's it's 
God. I feel like we're getting exposed for old, for not being able to think of any Steven Spielberg movie that could be related <laughs> to Black History Month. Um, it's killing me. Yeah. No, I, let me think. I, okay. I, Aaron, say, help me say something while I rock it's my a, brain. <laughs> it's a movie question. I'm trying to channel Neil from Triviality and I... Yeah, like this All is I definitely can... something I need Neil or I need Ryan for. Yeah. <laughs> All I can I get is like right. Howard the Duck. Wait, I have a question for you, Ben. So you said sure. the, the movie never won anything. It didn't win anything at the Academy Awards. It did not win any Oscars. It tied the record. It tied for the most Oscar nominations without a win. I believe it was 13 nominations. Oh, I hope this movie was Spielberg, but I can't remember it was. So what 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 are you thinking? What are you thinking? I'm thinking it's I, I was thinking of Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> and I think it's um, the movie she was nominated before, before Ghost, but that was it's. Um, I think it was Steven Spielberg. Is it Color Purple? Did he direct that, the Color Purple? Did that not win I any thought, Oscars? No, I remember it not winning any. Okay, I thought it didn't win any Oscars. I thought I got briefly he, confused because I thought Whoopi Goldberg won for Color Purple, but then I remember she didn't win before she won for Ghost. Yeah, she won for Ghost. I because she yeah. I'm, I know that movie got a lot of critical acclaim, but it didn't get a lot of stuff as far as awards. I just didn't. I just didn't know that Spielberg directed it. That's, if that's the that's answer. I'm not sure about. Like, as I just remember it as once again, I'm in the same boat as you. I remember it as a movie that didn't win many awards. Yeah, I mean, but I'm cool with know. it. It it fits the category. It's Is not a bad right guess. I, it's God, I'm and it came out in the '80s. I couldn't tell you when. Um, so it's it's not a bad way to go for a guess. Yeah. Sure. Color Purple. The Color Purple. Okay. Yeah, this movie featured uh, Danny Glover, oh, Oprah Winfrey, yeah. and Whoopi Goldberg. It is That's... The Color oh. Purple. It was the... Okay. I had no idea he directed that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it Spielberg. doesn't feel like a Spielberg kind of thing to me. I had no idea that... Some of the cinematography is... It, it's very similar, like... Um, so there's a particular scene where uh, Oprah's character... Um, She's basically uh, accosted in, in town by a white man, and she goes to punch him. And so mm-hmm. it's, it, it's in the street. And so the scene is you see her cock her hand back, and a car passes. And by the time the car passes, the man is on the ground. <laughs> this is very Spielberg-esque, the way they, they stop that scene. That's kind of man, funny. I'll admit, I, I wouldn't have gotten that if I didn't know that, that uh, knew the theme of the 10 questions so yeah i'm like i'm like not happy i got it but i'm like man i should have known more about that from what you gave me you should be happy you got it you got it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was uh, that was um that was the biggest robbery in the history of the academy wars Uh, yeah period all right um wow i picked a lot of science your next question is also swords (laughs) Science. <laughs> conclude the trilogy. Yeah, or the do trilogy. we have four? No, this is the last science question. It's all like, science all the time. Return to <laughs> science. Black folks do science too. <laughs> all right. In the TV show The Boondocks, Uncle Ruckus claims to be stricken with a fictional variation of what real disease, which is believed to be caused by an autoimmune destruction of melanocyte cells. Oh. Um. If that- it's destruction of that's vitiligo. That that's an autoimmune disease that uh, destroys the melanin in your skin. So, oh. um, Winnie Harlow mm-hmm. is uh, is a pretty famous person who has it. She's a model, or she was on America's Top Model. She um, it's the, the she loses pigmentation in her face. Um, supposedly that's what 
um, Michael Jackson had when his skin started to become lighter. So I was going to say albinism, but I like yours better because I don't think of albinism as a disease. Question mark? No. And um, after being diagnosed with an autoimmune disease last year, I started to learn a lot more about different kinds of autoimmune diseases. <laughs> so right I think this is a bit of like, oh. Yeah. Damage mellow something. I'm, I'm in agreement with that. Yeah. Correct answer is vitiligo. Nice. Um, yeah, you uh, are spot on. Uh, Michael Jackson did suffer from this, and that's, that's what caused his dramatic uh, skin whitening to mm-hmm. occur. Um, and this particular scene, um, so Uncle Ruckus is, he is a, uh, an older black gentleman that is convinced that he's actually a white man on the inside. And he says that he suffers from re-vitiligo. And so, you know how Michael Jackson got that vitiligo? Well, I got that re-vitiligo. I just get blacker and darker and blacker. <laughs> All right, your next question is in literature. Literature. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to read some uh, poem lines to you, and I want you to name the author of the poem. Okay. I've known rivers. I've known rivers ancient as the world and older than the flow of human blood in human veins. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. Okay. Is that it? Because I was really um, enjoying li- I would yeah. listen to you That's read it. that poem. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> got a great voice. I got no idea, but I love it. I'm going to Google it as soon as I find out who it is. So I've got two guesses, and you I've guys got, can help me. Um, I've got one out. guess. Okay. So there, there are two pretty prominent... Um, I mean, obviously there's more, but there's there's two prominent um, black poets that stick out in my mind. There's Maya Angelou, who's more modern, and then there is Langston Hughes from the Harlem Renaissance. Um, I'm I've I've read poems by both. I just for me, I'm not quite sure which one this sounds more like. Um, but those would be my two contributions to the conversation. <laughs> I my I thought Langston Hughes. Okay. I don't know if I was just like that's honestly I didn't consider my Angelou. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh shoot, it could be her also. <laughs> so I don't know if that's an indicator of anything. <sighs> well, if your first instinct was Langston Hughes, then you know, that could mean something. More because I forgot about my Angelou. Oh, well, then. you know, that's also fair. <laughs> I am trying to give you some credit here, Calvin. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> what about you, Aaron? I, I'm gonna second or third Langston Hughes. Um, but this could be like Calvin was talking about earlier with the the sneaky ones where we just assume it's a dude because we're all conditioned to assume everything good was done by men and it's actually Maya Angelou. So I'd be content to be wrong if the answer is Maya Angelou. Yeah. Um, uh, let's go ahead and go with Langston Hughes because we all seem to have gravitated towards that, that first. And if it turns out that we're all um, we're all biased, then we'll all learn something. Yeah. Or wrong, we'll also learn something. <laughs> um, I wrote a. Um, we had to do. Um, 11 great projects around particular authors that we liked. And I actually wrote a rap about Langston Hughes. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's Can funny because next? my rap was set to the, the, the music of Warren G's Regulate. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, is really funny because that came up yesterday. 
<laughs> February 1st, 1902, a baby boy was born. His name was Langston Hughes. <laughs> that was, that's super funny that's like, considering yesterday's recording I did with you that we talked about we did. regulators. We talked about regulators. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was an amazing pool, by the way. That was great. <laughs> yeah. well, All so right. It was Langston Hughes. Wow. All right. Um, as Carmela would say, this is an obligatory sports question. Yep. <laughs> Got to throw one of those in there. <laughs> Got to throw one in there. In 2015, what former tennis star was tackled to the ground by undercover NYPD police in a case of mistaken identity? Oh my god, I don't, I, I have no idea. But still, wow, oh. <laughs> that's awful. I've look, y'all. All black people don't look you. the same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, though, like if you say black tennis player. Venus and Serena shouldn't be the only people I can think of. Also true. <laughs> I think oh. so. <laughs> is it was was Arthur Ashe live in twenty fifteen? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, but that ugly ass statue of him was up. <laughs> Looks like he's beating the children back. <laughs> we want the books. You can't have the books. Butt of my racket. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I don't know this. I don't know this. I, I don't even have a clue. Mm-mm. I mean, we could guess. I mean, it, it wouldn't be unreasonable to guess Serena Williams. True. I would feel really bad, though. <laughs> if it yeah. was. I mean, I'm going to feel bad no matter who got tackled. But I'm like, you tackled Serena Williams? Like, what's wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> Best athlete in the world, you tackled her? <laughs> um, the only other person I can think about, I will not be able to pull her name, is I think someone, one of them who just defeated Serena. I think she's half Japanese and half black. Oh, uh, Naomi, Naomi Osaka. Osaka. Could be her. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, see, yeah. you guys all okay. You guys all know better than I do. Only because I only because <laughs> I do. It was a huge. Okay. Um, and it was a huge deal. And I remember getting into a giant argument with uh, someone who is who I don't know if he still is a listener, but ended up getting into a giant argument and that being the last straw. And I finally blocked him. So <laughs> that's kind of why I remember that. Uh. <laughs> okay. Well, we could either guess her, or we could guess William's sister, or what? we can say that we. What year did he say discussing. this happened? Twenty fifteen. Okay, because Osaka's like she's still a teenager, I think. Oh uh, yeah, she's, good point. She's young. Been, yeah. yeah, that's she's really young. Five years ago. Yeah. Serena Williams. All right, your correct answer is James Blake. Oh, I hey. don't know who that is. Yeah. So, sorry. Uh, he was a he was a top ten tennis player in the nineties and two thousands. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you, Mr. Blake. That's awful. Yes. Yep. Well, it's an interesting story. Um, the cop was, I think it was like a um, identity theft or fraud or something like that, and they were going off of a photo that they have of another person who also turned out not to be the suspect. <laughs> oh, so they had a photo of a man who was also not a suspect that looked that James Blake looked similar to. And the cop just ran up to him and tackled, didn't announce himself, didn't say freeze, Jeez. didn't say anything, just just tackled him to the ground. And James Blake thought it was just a fan that was running up to him that wanted an autograph. So it was like, you know. But <laughs> after they like cleared everything out, he actually sued NYPD. But rather than taking a cash settlement, he actually required that the money be set up for to educate police about diversity and, and things oh, cool. so Fuck yeah. And hey, look, it, it really works, awesome. right? <laughs> sure. James Blake never got tackled again. <laughs> All right. Your next question is in history. 
Okay. The Atlanta Compromise was a verbal agreement struck between black leaders and Southern white leaders, guaranteeing vocational education and due process for black people in exchange for not pursuing voting or other civil rights. What famous black leader was the primary architect of this agreement? I've written this question. Shit. I think I know the answer, but at the same time, hear, hear, hearing hearing that, it just makes my heart hurt. Um, I, I think this was, I think it's Dubois, W.D. Yes. Dubois. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's the one. Yeah. And I, I remember that being a, a, a big point of contention uh, amongst um, the community at that time. Uh, understandably. I, I remember writing a question about Dubois, and I did a lot of research about him. And it was either him or he had been friends with someone and the friendship like oh, you're right. fell the apart opponent, because his, of the Atlantic I, I was about to say, I thought Dubois was on the non- Oh, I, I got him mixed up. It's the other guy. Um, Who's the other guy? It's the, it's the other guy. Um, I think it's, this guy, yeah. if I'm thinking of the right guy, because again, Ben and I have talked about this guy. I think <laughs> he was actually castrated as a young adult. Oh, um, that doesn't help me. It doesn't help <laughs> you. Um, so, oh, dad's checking in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's the other guy? Um, <sighs> Is it no, a name no, like no, like no. my brain wants to say Longfellow? It's not obviously, no. but like, is it a name like that? <sighs> it's it's the oh god. Was it George Washington Carver? No, it's no. Bo- oh, thank you. I think I think it might be Booker Washington. Booker D. Washington. Yes, and it was yes. Washington. Okay, <laughs> I was super wrong. Good job, you guys. Is it? Wait, first of all. I think that's our final answer. Yes. <laughs> Booker T. Washington. Yes. I'm glad that you stopped us because I was I definitely got those two mixed up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't think Dubois advocated for integration. <laughs> I was like, maybe I just falsely remembered it and I don't want to say that. But there we, uh, we submitted. We submitted our answer. Uh, correct answer is Booker T. Washington. Oh, okay. Did I remember um, that so, correctly? That you and I having that conversation about Booker T being castrated, or was that George Washington Carver? Carver was castrated. Carver was castrated. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's why um, there, there's early audio of Carver talking, and he has a boyish he has a boyish tone. It's very yeah. high pitched because he was castrated, I think, prior to puberty. Um, because he was raised by a white family, and that's I think they were concerned by him raping their daughter, so they had castrated. Oh my god. Um, so the issue here, the Atlanta Compromise, so Booker T. Washington was a, was huge rivals with W.E.B. Du Bois. Um, and Du Bois uh, was championing, uh, allowing, uh, first of all, giving full civil rights to, to African-Americans and also allowing them to have access into higher education so that they could become businessmen and more affluent uh, people in the community. And Booker T. Washington was more of, wanting to strike a compromise with the white leadership and to in order to get black people access to the table. So the Atlanta Compromise was kind of a verbal agreement that says, hey, if you give us access to vocational uh, um, opportunities for us to be able to become like middle class as plumbers and, and other and other um, skills, um, you know, I will not advocate or push any harder for, you know, any type of other civil rights to occur. Um, so that's why, you know, in every in every major city, you have a school in the hood named after Booker T. Washington, 
but literally nothing is named after W.E.B. Du Bois. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like he is he is not in the pantheon of black history nearly as strongly as Booker T. Washington for that reason. All right. And your final question is in geography. According to the 2010 U.S. Census, there were 19 large cities, and large city is over 100,000 population within the city limits. So there were 19 large cities with a black majority. So over 50% of that population was black. At 82.7%, which of these cities had the highest majority? Is that Baltimore? Oh, I like that. I like that. I was guess. thinking in the South. Well, the South would make more sense. Like, like, and I can give you a hint if you want a hint. Is it related? Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh, I want to say Montgomery, but I don't know. Um, Would you like a hint? What, what's what's the hint? <laughs> the hint is that the correct answer was also the most populous city on the list. Oh, so not oh. only does it have a black majority, but it is the highest population out of all cities on that list. Huh. Um, I don't so, know. DC. So, so it's a big a, fucking city. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's a big fucking city. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't get it. I like Baltimore better. Yeah, Chicago yeah. is the only one I could think of, but I don't think so. Um, Unless I don't know how the logistics of the suburbs of Chicago count. We're missing the proper people on the podcast. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like we literally have no Chicago people on the podcast today. Um, <laughs> weird, which is really weird. <laughs> um, I know DC's got a really large African American population. Um. And they're also a very large city. Um, I know Baltimore is usually pretty high on those kinds of lists. I just, I don't know what the right answer is going to be here. It's going to be a, a shot in the dark for me. Yeah. Aaron, what about you? I, 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 I like Baltimore as a guess, but it would just be a guess. I have just a slight rumble of thunder. Like, you know, when you're starting to get a little hungry, it's almost lunchtime, but it's yeah. not really like <laughs> not super yeah. overpowering. We yet. have a meow meow. I, I guess we're going to lock in with Baltimore then. Uh, Baltimore's not correct. Um, oh, no. Well, this okay. city has, has all four major sports in, a, in, in the city. Okay. It is, it is it Chicago? Nope. Um, so, so, it's, so it's got, it's, it's got, it's a big four. So it's got. <sighs> Is it Atlanta? No, it can't be Atlanta. Atlanta doesn't have a hockey team. Atlanta doesn't have a hockey team. Okay, yeah. I'm going to need you to help me to see who's got a hockey team. Yeah, that, <laughs> that I can contribute. I can tell you where there's hockey. Because um, I have found oftentimes oh, where there's hockey, there's not a ton of black people. So I feel like that should narrow it down. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, need so, to follow, you need to follow the hockey. Follow yeah. the hockey here. So for DC, they've got a football team. They've got a baseball team. I think they have a hockey team. Uh, I don't think. Do they have a basketball team? They do. They do. Could it be DC? Could it be DC? There's a lot of hockey history in this city. Detroit? So that's a no to DC. Detroit? Multiple, multiple, multiple. Yes, Detroit, Michigan. Okay, Uh, that makes sense. Okay. As, as... As Ben drags us into the answer, it's <laughs> like, no, over I, this way. I feel like knowing you, and you even have talked about being from Detroit, I feel like one of us should have probably guessed that sooner. Yeah. <laughs> Guessing but, Detroit felt really stereotypical, though. That's true. <laughs> Thank you for the hockey. Detroit hand. is overlooked a lot. Detroit is overlooked a lot. No big deal. <laughs> 
All right. Yeah, thank those you, are the questions. I hope you like them. Yeah, yeah those, those are great. great. Thank you. Yes, those are great. I really like that last one because it took. <laughs> we went through a lot of cities. We did. And then we're like, oh, <laughs> we so learned a journey together. Type of city. Yeah. Thank you, Ben, for the questions. And thank you and Carmela for being with us and sharing your thoughts with us. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was, I feel like I, yeah, I enjoyed the conversation a lot. It's given me a lot to think about, which is awesome. Those are the best kind of conversations. Um, my name is Aaron, the thinky one. I'm with Orange Cat Trivia. You can find me online on all the usual spots, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Orange Cat Trivia. Um, and I'm Carmela uh, with the Oaks Media Group. You can uh, hear me on Trivial Warfare and also the show Foreplay. You can find those on any of your podcatchers at your convenience. Um, if you're interested in following me on Twitter, I uh, like to shout into the void and doom scroll there all the time. And I am at TWA First Lady. Uh, first is like the number one ST. Um, and if you have any interest in seeing the doodles I put online, um, I, you can also find me on Instagram at Mila Plays with Paint. All right. I guess I'm next. Uh, so I'm Dan. You can also find me on uh, Trivial Warfare. And it's um, pretty much all I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm Calvin. You can find me online at footnotetrivia.com. Once again, thank you very much, Ben and Carmela, for joining us on our show. I'm sure we can talk way longer about um, diversity and topics. Maybe if you feel like adding more, we can have you on as guests in the future. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, if you out there in listener land want to contribute to the conversation, you can reach us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We are quadriviapod on Twitter and Facebook and quadriviapodcast.com if you go to real websites. For some reason. I know I don't. I'm exclusively on social media because I hate myself. <laughs> and that's the show. Where do we go? Is this like diddukewin.com? Is this that kind of thing? This basketball um, thing? I, I'm not familiar with that website. That is. No. Oh, no, it just, it, no. Whenever it's just diddukewin.com and it either says oh, yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. That's funny. I'm a Duke fan, so that's pretty funny. <laughs>